My name is Shannon Blake, and I'm the Artistic Director of the Bench Theatre Initiative. And I'm Leif Stolte, and I'm the Actor-in-Residence and Artistic Director at Sanctuary Ministries of Toronto. And you're listening to, to Walk, Walk Left, Left the, the Podcast. Podcast. And I'm Marty Chidorek. Thanks for joining us. Excited to be sitting down with you both and talking a little bit about your upcoming production of Damien. And it's nice to sort of, uh, especially with a one-person show, to have that one person in the room because hopefully you'll have some insightful, uh, insightful things to say about about the process that you've had so far. But before we get into Damien, which is coming up, I'd love to talk a bit about uh, the bench and I guess sort of the context for uh, not only a show like Damien, but the company itself well the bench was born out of my partnership with sanctuary so sanctuary is a drop-in center for homeless and street involved adults and i'm a playwright and so i um sanctuary has kind of a long history of trying to include artistic experience into what they do and so i i became a part of that with leaf leaf and i at one point decided we wanted to write uh a community play with stories and have street involved actors and professional actors put that together. So we did that and it, you know, I thought my mom would come, but like it, it turned out to be great. It was really fun. Um, and more people than my mom came. And so oh, I'm, I'm glad she did come. I'm so, she comes a lot. She's, she's a groupie to be honest. Um, leaves nodding cause it's true. Um, so anyway, that went well actually. And so, um, we started to talk about, how we could do it more than once and and it became sort of a spring show and you know then we needed money so we started a company um so the bench started officially uh in january of 2011 um but it had sort of organically started since then and so the the official mandate of the bench is to connect marginalized people with uh with theater um we do shows that are uh about the stories of street-involved folks. We use street-involved actors. We present them in sanctuary um, or look for other accessible spaces. Often theaters are not accessible spaces if you're if you're coming from sort of a street life uh, just because they seem kind of intimidating and, you know, you have to look a certain way and act a certain way and it's expensive and all that. So we try to find spaces where, where folks feel comfortable kind of coming and being able to see that that stuff. So when Shannon chooses plays, she doesn't just choose stuff that's easy for people to do. She chooses stuff that is engaging, not just the stuff that she writes, but also like we've done Michael Healy's The Drawer Boy, and we, re we recently did um, uh, Bernard Pomerantz's The Elephant Man, both of which are not easy plays to do, and they don't talk down on any level to anybody. And they both also have themes that resonate for the people in the community, the people that, that Shannon works a lot with. And they're, they're already established plays that have spoken to a lot of audiences. And so to be able to draw that parallel, that what, what Angus in The Drawer Boy is experiencing, some of those, those tensions and the difficulty and truth in relationship and how art can bring that truth and deepen relationship, that's spoken to audiences everywhere. And now we're linking that. Shannon's linking that to the people at Sanctuary, and they're getting a chance to see it and to see the value of truth in relationship, the value of truth in art, you know? And so it's it's fun. It's, it's not about dumbing things down. It's about just delivering the straight goods. Sanctuary serves a variety of, of folks. Um, there's definitely a spectrum of, of who comes in here. So you get folks who are, who are sleeping rough on the street and maybe have been for a long time, 
and and folks who are also housed and kind of in community housing on welfare uh, we often use the really PC term underhoused um, for those folks, uh, which is actually like it, it's inaccurate to say they're homeless because they live in homes, but they they live in homes that you and I wouldn't want to live in. Usually there's often, you know, it's sort of a one room deal or there's infestation issues or, you know, there's a lot of violence, a lot of ill repair, that kind of stuff. It's a it's a broad spectrum. And there's a lot of, you know, folks who are coming from generational poverty, folks who are in cyclical poverty, a lot of mental health issues, a lot of addiction issues, folks who've been in prison, folks who worked in the sex trade or currently working in the sex trade, that kind of stuff, learning disabilities, intellectual challenges, um, physical challenges, uh, that that kind of stuff. So so it's kind of a broad, it's a broad spectrum of, of folks who come into sanctuary. From that population, it's it's a relatively small group of folks who actually kind of maybe end up on stage um that's a that's a smaller group but we we do have we have three or four folks who are who are really committed to acting and to what we do and then sort of maybe beyond that maybe 10 or 12 folks who 10 or 12 folks at any given time who who have some interest in it or who might like to do sort of a smaller piece or who might like to do something next time or we include people as actors um we also we try to be in an accessible venue so we do the shows in sanctuary and we we do them for if you're street involved, it's free. Uh, we, we also try to tell their stories. So even if you can't be in a show, you don't have that kind of interest. We, we try to create stories that are, that are directly about folks' lives. So we get them to tell stories or we ask them questions or, or that kind of stuff to sort of be generating material that's about them um, as well as general material. You know, whereas a regular show might take six weeks, we take 18 weeks or 24 weeks or like a, a much longer run at it. We also... Um, Sort of, sort of counter to what you might, you know, I guess if you're a professional actor, you're trying not to be typecast. With our street actors, we're trying really hard to typecast them. If if we look for roles that really naturally fit their personality, um, so so that uh, there's a lot of chance of success in in creating that character, and we know our actors pretty well. Um, we have we have pretty extensive relationships with them, so. We think a lot about, you know, what are this person's strengths and weaknesses? You know, do they have a literacy issue? Do they, are they good at memorizing? Is memorizing a challenge? And so they should be doing more of a physical role, that kind of stuff. Um, so we, we try to accommodate the role to what they're uh, able to do. And then we also do, we kind of do one-on-one -on -one line coaching. We just, we try to accommodate the process around their needs while at the same time trying to maintain a certain aesthetic level. So it's an, it's an involved process usually. Your reaction on the underhoused comment. <laughs> what was that about? <laughs> well, I didn't realize that that had actually become a PC term. Is that an actual PC term? That's a real term. Okay, because you do know that that, that was uh, in passages. Yeah, uh, they use it as a joke. We used it as a joke in passages, but it's a real term. I'm really oh surprised gosh. you don't know that's a real I term. I did not know that was a real term. Le I Leaf we used we used that we used that term as a joke in the first play in the first full-length production that we did and oh my gosh, it had me in stitches because I'm like underhoused. <laughs> that's such a funny term. So that that's <laughs> So that's why I reacted the way I did. So, like, technically, Leaf's the social worker, and I'm the actor, and it's oh, really gosh. funny that Leaf doesn't know this. <laughs> that may be technically true, but it's not. I'm, I'm not really politically correct as I need to be. <laughs> so that 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 was the reaction, is because I just, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that's an actual politically correct term. That's, real. that's fantastic. <clears throat> 
We've all learned something. We've all learned, <laughs> We've all learned something. <laughs> so let's uh, let's move to the uh, the immediate example. Let's let's start with the, the selection of of this particular script. Uh, well, Damien is a play I read. I can't remember the first time I read it. Probably about ten or twelve years ago. I'd heard about it. A friend of mine was doing for uh, just some uh, acting coaching. Chose a scene from it, and I saw it, and I was fascinated by it, and got my hands on it. Very interesting to read a one man, one man play. And so when I read through it, I was something struck me about the character of Damien. He is a saint, but he's I don't know. He's a rough and tumble saint. You know, we often have these holier than thou pictures of our saints and. Here's a guy who's only recently, only in 2009, was he canonized as a saint. And so, so then this was written not well before that, in the 70s, I believe. And so not, so, so even before he was a saint and there was this kind of holiness about him. And so there's a, there's a great humanness to the piece. And I, I just, I also liked when I read it, the idea that he's commenting on himself post-mortem. You know, this uh, this idea that he's out of time, looking back and reflecting on it. But at the same time, he is he, he's honestly reflecting on it. And there are moments in the play where he is there in that moment. He's not thinking back. He's not reflecting ahead. He's living in the moment and asking himself questions. And so it's just it's fascinating. You don't often get to read plays like that. So uh, so it's been on my shelf for 10 years and I finally uh, decided that I needed to just take the opportunity and do it and so I suckered a couple people into <laughs> helping me with it <laughs> so yeah so it's I've I've wanted to do a one-man show and there were a couple that I wanted to do and I just ran them by a couple friends of mine and uh, this one seemed to be one that was the most easily and immediately doable also one that speaks a lot to the people that I worked with Damien is the patron saint of lepers and outcasts and so a lot of people at Sanctuary would probably identify with the lepers of Hawaii in the 1860s who were just segregated uh, to this awful, horrible piece of land on, uh, on Molokai and kind of left there with the promise of stuff, but just left there and never really, the government, the Board of Health, they never fulfilled their promises, which is definitely a lot of people who are street involved or on welfare, uh, I know, feel the same way that the government has promised to help them, but kind of leaves them high and dry. And so here's a guy who saw a need and he re recognized that he needed to, to fill that need and that no one else was. And so kind of to hell with everybody else. This is what these people need. This is what they need. Well, let's give it to them. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just it's fascinating how much the story of Damien and the people that he worked with. Throughout time, there are people who literally lay down their lives for people who are outcasts, for people that society regularly frowns upon. And not, not just frowns upon, but actively goes out of their way to abuse and segregate and shun. Yeah, so I really just wanted to say, hey guys, look, you're, you're not alone. This is time and again, this has happened. And time and again, people have come through. Damien is just a fantastic example of a guy who was about as imperfect as you could get. <laughs> and yet the changes that were affected because of his involvement, because of his passion, 
for the lepers of Molokai uh, was just phenomenal. In a part of the play, he describes that he's surprised how leaves tied together with some tough grass and anchored to a crumbling stone wall can provide protection. And yet, and then after fighting with the Board of Health, they eventually built cottages on trestles so that when storms would blow into Hawaii, they wouldn't carry out the shacks to the sea. So, and then that's just one thing. They, he helped uh, by, again, by putting his nose in other people's business, he got the hospital actually properly supplied with things and made lives better for the people, for the lepers on Molokai. And, and I think it's just, it's a, it's a fascinating testament, something for me to remember too, that you can make a difference. When, when, you, when, it, when you look around you and you feel, what am I doing? You realize that no, if you, if you, if you believe, if you love, with all that you are, you can make a difference. That one person can make a difference. We often think that no, one person can't make a difference, but it's not true. And so Damien's story is the story of a man who can make a difference. I think one of the things that strikes me about it too is that there are two. I mean, the thing I love about learning about people from history is there are two sides to every story. And this one definitely has, I think the thing I liked about it is it has both sides. You know, um, apparently when Damien was alive, there was a lot of, once he started to, once people started to hear about what he was doing, reporters started to report on him left, right, and center. What he was doing, both the good and the bad. You know, eventually he was brought back home to Belgium and he was looked upon very favorably and things like that. He always has had his detractors, but for the most part, he was looked upon as a saint, as a man who did a lot of good. But the thing is, is that he was no saint, you know? And I think one of my favorite defenses, as, I, as I've done some research on Damien and preparing for this, one of my favorite defenses, Robert Louis Stevenson, after Damien's death, went to Molokai and kept a journal uh, of, of his experience there. And when he, when he came back to England, there was a, a reverend. He somehow got his hands on a letter from one reverend to another, vilifying Damien. And basically, he wrote a, a, an op-ed, I guess, for, for one of the newspapers at the time, uh, saying to this reverend uh, a couple things. One of the biggest things being, if anybody remembers you for anything that you've done, it will be for this letter vilifying a man who tried to do good works. And you know what? You say that he's coarse, you say that he's dirty, you say that he's bigoted, that he's foul, that he's all these things. And you know what? You're right. You are absolutely right. But he has done more for the people of Molokai, for the people of this world, than you have sitting here in your cushy mansion. Shut up. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. Of course. <laughs> Stevenson, my goodness. I know. Very modern in his language. <laughs> The, the fact that the best defense for this man was just agreeing that he was dirty. He was coarse. He was hot-tempered. He was everything negative that you can imagine about a person, for the most part, that they, and that yet can still do good out of it. And that was his defense, was, yeah, yeah, he was dirty. So what? He did more, even in his narrow-mindedness, in the, in the narrow field of vision that he had, he did more for people same people that you're supposed to be caring for, he did more for them than you will ever do. And he will be remembered a lot longer than you because all you've done is chosen to vilify him. And so the thing about this story is that it's not about that one man can make a difference. It's also about that 
every saint, every person in the world has two sides to them. I also love the fact that uh, Aldith Morris in here chooses also to reflect on Damien's doubts. You know, that's something that we often, when people read scripture or they read anything about a saint or someone holy, they go, well, this person believed all the way through to the end, right? Well, what? They, no, I, I guarantee you that a lot of saints had crises of faith. But we don't hear that because we don't want to hear about our saints being imperfect, our saints being human. We want our saints to remain saints because then we can look up to them and we can idolize them and we can worship them. Yay, yay, yay. Whoop-de-doo. I want to meet a saint who's real. And that's what I love about Damien. Is he is one of the most real people that I've ever met. And through meeting him in this, I've actually started to think about the other, the other um, disciples of Jesus differently. Right? I've, I've, looked, I've started to look at scripture differently. I've started to look at the saints of history differently and go, no, you know what? They're not perfect. I wonder what they did struggle with. I wonder what it was that caused them to trip up, you know, because that's, that's intriguing. Not about the fact that they could maintain their faith, but how did they struggle through it? Because everybody struggles. If you're not struggling, well, sorry, you're not really living it faithful life in my opinion and so to see those moments of doubt it was just it was fantastic it was like here's a playwright who understands humanity who understands how to present a human and so it's just yeah it's fun it's and it's as an actor it's great it's just meaty right you get you don't have to worry about oh i'm so holy oh look at me i did so many good things that's that's a great dialect choice though. well thank you uh, thank you <laughs> I think Shoot, I shouldn't have ruined it. That's my Damien. <laughs> I'm so holy. I'm so holy. Look at me. I did so many good things in my life. It's like, no, he, he just, he gets angry and he gets frustrated and he questions and he doubts and it's fun and it's good. And it's, I think something that's really, that I find really interesting about the script is that Damien's commitment to the lepers is like terribly uncomfortable to watch in some ways. His, his, like he's not willing to leave and he's not he's he's not swayed by money and he's not swayed by you know a place where he could not get leprosy and he's not like he's not swayed by all these things i i guess what i find compelling about the story and and thematically why why i like producing it as as part of the bench is that i think that when we think about you know how we want to help people or how how we want to you know deal with issues or whatever you know, like, I, I think I'm like this, that you, there's this, um, there's a self-preservation instinct, right? Like, there's a, a like, well, like, I, you know, I want to give money, but not so much money that, like, you know, I don't have enough money, you know, like, or, you know, I want to, I want to help people, but not actually in a way that, that hurts my life. And then there's this guy who's just like, I don't want anything. I just want to help the lepers. And, and like, I, so I actually find myself like, like about half the time, you know, the, the big villain in the play is like the board of health. Um, <laughs> it's like the board of health is going to do this. And then the board of health is, for, you know, forbidding the boats. And, um, about half the time, I feel like I can sort of relate to the board of health and, and that like, okay, so you're the board of health and like, you're trying to stop leprosy. And so, you know, if I'm trying to stop leprosy, I'm like, well, we got to segregate the lepers and, you know, we got to send more stuff to lepers and that's expensive. And like, like you can sort of, you know, you can kind of see where this like bureaucratic evil <laughs> starts to emerge. And that like, if you're standing there, not, not humanizing any of this, you're just like, oh my gosh, it's this like 
problem that we're endlessly throwing money at, which, you know, is pretty parallel to how we see homelessness and how we see street stuff. But like the thing that's solving it is him is him kind of nakedly having this intense relationship with these people. Um, So, yeah, I find that powerful and disturbing because I, you know, I think I'd be part of the Board of Health. So. One of the things that's mentioned on the bench site is this this play being in a way to celebrate your work at the sanctuary. Could we talk a bit about that, maybe a bit, and just share sure. that? Well, uh, I guess the best uh, place to start is just uh, simply talking about a little bit about what I do at sanctuary. So, being the started out being the actor in residence at sanctuary when, well, <laughs> as you know, if you're the actor in residence, usually. You have other residencies around you to help you create theater, but this is a community that is primarily composed of people who are poor and excluded. And so, to have this title actor in residence, it was a it was a journey on figuring out what exactly that means to be an actor in residence in a community um, in a community setting. So, what it ended up being, and and kind of why I mixed two titles together, I call myself the actor in residence and the artistic director because. Uh, my first goal, what I was trained for, is acting, and I, I just I love acting. I love telling stories. I love being another character and telling stories. I love finding out what I have in common with that person, with uh, with the character that I am, uh, and and telling their story. It's it's just it's fun. And so, then on top of that, uh, I'm the artistic director because my goal here is to facilitate relationships with people in the community through theatrical projects or through through artistic projects that involve storytelling, whether it's theater or multimedia or whatnot, um, workshop events, things like that. So that's a little bit of the history of my work here. It started out very simply. Initially, we started doing uh, script readings, just uh, sitting downstairs around the, uh, around the fireplace, just reading a script and talking about it afterwards. But then people were like, I could tell a couple people were itching to do something. And so I grabbed a uh, David Ives script called um, Words, 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 about three monkeys typing into infinity, producing Hamlet, and what they would talk about. It's a fantastic, it was, it's one of those ones I've been dying to do forever. And so it just, it fit. It was 15 minutes long, three characters, not really difficult dialogue. And so I invited a couple people from the community and a staff member to perform it together. Uh, and it was great. We rehearsed for about a month and put it up for a couple nights and people just thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. And so from that point on, what we dis- what uh, I did for, for a few years was about three times a year, we would hold an arts extravaganza where we would celebrate the different artistic gifts in the community, visual art, uh, performance art, be it music, or poetry, even a little bit of card table magic every once in a while, skits. It, it would primarily those events were born out of a need for me going okay how can we how can we show off a 20 minute skit right our community has the has the ability right now to only do you know 5 to 20 minutes worth of worth of theater presence but i can't sell tickets for a 5 or 20 minute night <laughs> it's a little hard so realizing too um then at the time uh, artist in residence Sharon Teeson was also doing art drop-ins with the community, we thought, well, this would be a great way to merge those two things together and create a night of celebration. And so that's where uh, the the theater stuff started really to find a life of its own, and it was a lot of fun. Then, like Shannon said, we we came up with an idea to develop a full-length 
play around the stories within the community here. So take people that we know, have story gathering sessions, ask questions, get anecdotes, and then Shannon worked really hard at putting together a script out of that. Um, and it was fantastic. It was, it was amazing. It was so much fun to see three years worth of work come together and be this thing that you just, you just couldn't expect. Like it was, I totally did not anticipate what it would be and how much, uh, how much fun it would be to see the people from the community who were involved, the street involved community, even the, uh, even we went on Mandy.com to audition for, for one role because it was like there were, there were three roles that were really key roles that we needed professionals or semi-professionals to do. And so we went on Mandy.com and got, um, Manda Whitney, who you know. So that was that was her first uh, production with us. She's become a sanctuary bench legend since then. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Just ask her about Cheese Whiz and see what she does. Um, <laughs> um, I, I think what Leaf may have like diverted from is uh, like Leaf really connects well with this community. He's quite he's quite gifted um, in that way, and in bringing out um, like really really great stuff. Um, from from untrained folks and from folks, you know, from the street and from all kinds of different backgrounds, Leaf is fantastic at at kind of getting the best out of them and, and treating them as equals. Okay, can we talk about what's going Come on, on here? <laughs> <laughs> you know how well I handle this kind of thing. <laughs> Let me hide. Who's hiding literally <laughs> behind the play, which is an excellent, an excellent segue into my point, um, which is that, you know, Leaf has been, Leaf has been totally key in uh, the last five years of productions and in producing and in directing and in, and in acting. And he's, I think, sidelined uh, some of, some of developing his own actorliness so that, so that the community can grow and so that the community can be facilitated. And so he, like for years, he's come to me and been like, someday, someday I'm going to do Damien. Some, someday this play and I will be together in the sunset. And so like finally Leaf's on sabbatical and we're like, dear God, Leaf, do Damien. This is all you have ever wanted. Like, you know, so that's what Damien is in some ways is like Leaf is finally getting his, he's like, this is Mr. Holland's opus, right? Like, like this is it. This is Leaf as Damien is a, it's his moment where he kind of like get gets to be, gets to fully realize some of the scope of of uh of his talents so that's what he's not telling you <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is an opportunity for me to do something that i haven't had a chance i haven't found or made the time to do in my ten, almost 10 years uh, of being at sanctuary i've acted three times in the last uh five years but one time i had to direct myself and hate directing myself because I, I just, I can't do it. I, I give in to all my kind of natural instincts, which aren't bad, but I mean, as uh, you know, so you're being directed by Luke LaRock. I'm who, being directed by Luke LaRock. Luke LaRock. Luke has been one of our actors with the bench in the last couple of shows. And we're, we're looking for sort of a minimalist set and, and trying to, to work on a lot of the, I don't know, the emotional range of the character and trying to work, work that kind of stuff out and Luke's really sensitive to that so he's it's great to have him at the helm in that way uh, I've worked with Luke on uh, personally I've worked with Luke on two separate shows uh, The Drawer Boy and uh, The Elephant Man and so he's had a chance to see me uh, actually in both of those as an actor 
So having him as an outside eye is actually very helpful and very beneficial because a character like Damien, there needs to be depth, right? I mean, with any character, there needs to be depth. But with a one-man show, you, it's, it's me up there for 90 minutes. Like, it's, it's crazy. And so Luke, like Shannon was saying, Luke is very sensitive to the, to the needs of the script, um, not only to, to move forward so that the audience is engaged actively the whole time, but also for Damien himself as a character to move forward. And Luke really has a good sense of Damien's trajectory throughout the piece. So where he starts, where where he ends up, and he's the kind of director I've, I've discovered I really like working with because he doesn't have things set in stone. You know, there are, there are some directors who their way is, this is what you do. This is how you do it. Just do it that way. Um, and then there, there are directors who are completely loosey-goosey and, and come into rehearsal with nothing prepared. Luke came in with stuff prepared, but on top of that, he wanted, to, he wanted me to come in with things prepared so we could share our visions together, which I think is the best way to create really good theaters, to have visions coming together. And so he's been sensitive to what I need as an actor to be able to do, but also helping me find the way to get from point A to point B. Because one of the things with one of the things with one man show is there's no one to rescue you. And so you have to have those mental connections just thoroughly intertwined in your head. How do I get from this point to this point to this point to this point? And so he's he's really helped me, uh, and and he continues to help me make those connections. We'll we'll be doing a bit, and I'll I'll struggle to get from this point to this point. So I'll call line. He'll give me the first word, and it's like, oh yeah, okay, I know the ne- I know the next three pages. But because I'm missing that connection, we'll go back. We'll stop and go. Okay, Leaf, what's what's going on here? What's happening for Damien here? What's happening here? What do you think? And so I'll say that, and then I'll ask him, well, what do you think? He's like, okay, well, that's actually what I was thinking. So let's, let's see how we can do that. He, he lets it be a time to play. And, of course, he, he lets me go completely over the top. And then he's like, are you happy? You've gone over the top? Excellent. Okay, let's bring it down a bit. <laughs> You've got it out of your system? Okay, good. That's good, Leaf. Let's tone it down. <laughs> So considering you've been wanting to work on this particular piece for a while, how how was the, you know, the dream of one day working on it? How is that uh how is that uh, meeting up with the reality of actually doing it? It's terrifying the daylights out of me. <laughs> it's 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 a lot of fun. Um my my director wanted me to have be off book before the first rehearsal. It's always one of those pages. <laughs> Dear goodness, it was insane and intense. And for the most part, I I, I was about seventy percent off book. So as we as we blocked it, I definitely got more more and more off book. But it was it was an intense process. But um, actually, Shannon gave me a tip right off the beginning on on learning lines go backwards. So uh, so what I did is I broke it down into beats, and then each beat I just I memorized from the back to the front. Uh, and it was really, that was a fascinating process because discovered so many things that I'd never seen before in it. And it just, yeah. It, it, and again, that's what I love about being an actor and doing theater is that the process, what, what you see on stage is simply the end result of a process. And so this Damien is not just for my community. It, this is for me too. This has been a fantastic process. 
for me and I'm looking forward to to the next couple of weeks before we open and then how and what else I will discover along the way. So I guess you haven't really been involved in the actual nuts and bolts of this particular production. Of this particular production, no. Um, and which is which is sort of a first time thing for me that I get to like coast along as the as the producer, which is great. Um, I've been doing uh, a lot of the the sort of promotion and and media stuff, and um, you know I get to work front of house because we're that kind of company. Um, <laughs> But, um, ah, the glamorous position. The of, glamorous yeah. position of artistic director. I will be collecting tickets. Um, so yeah, uh, I've I've done less uh, kind of in the nuts and bolts section. I think this is the like giant everybody change hats play. Like everybody, ha- you know, Luke's done a lot of acting. We've done some acting and a lot of kind of directing, producing. I've done a lot of directing, writing, and you know, this time we're all like, let's do the job we've never done before. Okay. Um, so yeah, I've, um, I've been less involved in kind of the frontline stuff, but, um, uh, it's, it's been really, um, I, I think, you know, the bench and sanctuary work very collaboratively and Leaf and Luke and I work together a lot. Um, and, and I think that it's been, um, kind of a nice, a nice chance for all of us to to grow in, in what we've been doing and also sort of a nice respite from whatever we usually do um, to, to kind of expand into something else. So yeah, it's a little bit different, but, um, but it's been fun. Freshen it up a bit. Freshen it up. Yeah. <laughs> Try something new. Damien runs from November 20. Uh, the preview night is November 21st. Opening night is November 22nd and it runs Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday nights at 8 p.m until December 1st. At Sanctuary, which is 25 Charles Street East. Uh, we're just south of Young and Bloor. And to get tickets... You can order your tickets online at bit.ly slash Damien, all capital letters. Or www.thebenchtheater.com, which is much easier to remember. <laughs> hey, I don't know. <laughs> You guys don't even need me here. I love that the, the banter kind of goes back and forth. You, have you guys ever thought of starting a podcast? <laughs> no, because a lot of it would be the the cutout bits of what, of what this is. What are you talking about? There's no there's no editing involved in this at all. <laughs> Although Crazy Wayne always wanted to do one. Yeah, oh yeah, I miss him. Oh my goodness. Anyway, thank you so much, guys. <laughs> this has been. Dedicated to Crazy Wayne. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Oh, thanks, Marty. Oh my goodness. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you have an upcoming Toronto based performing arts project or production, I want to talk to you about it. Visit walkleft.ca.